0: to Jeremiah show.
1: To the show. Some sad news today. Uh, part of our Fleetwood Mac family, Christine McVie, uh, as you as you know, is a singer, the keyboardist, and the songwriter, and a cornerstone, a, a, a pillar. I've heard her described as of Fleetwood Mac. She sadly passed away a couple hours ago. She was 79. Her family put a post out on Facebook and said that she died peacefully alongside her family following a short illness. They also said we would like everyone to keep Christine in their hearts and remember the life of an incredible human being. Revered musician who was loved universally. Born Christine Perfect, McVee grew up learning piano. And after college, she played piano in the band, Chicken Shack. These were label mates to Fleetwood Mac. She started playing sessions with Fleetwood Mac for their second album, Mr. Wonderful, but did not join the band until after founding guitarist Peter Green had left. At this point, McVie had married guitarist John McVie, This is a relationship that would become extremely influential to the band. McVie took breaks from performing with Fleetwood Mac throughout the 1990s before eventually retiring in 1998. She did not perform again until 2013. Uh, And I happened to be a part of this era in a small way as we opened the restaurant in Maui with McFleetwood, Fleetwood Fleetwood Mac. and the tour started right after we opened. Everyone was so excited. When she took the stage with the Mick Fleetwood Blues Band and later Fleetwood Mac in 2013, uh, a Fleetwood Mac tour followed the year after. And McVie has been an official member of the band ever since. There are no words to describe our sadness at the passing of Christine McVie, the band said in a statement a few hours ago. She was truly one of a kind, special, and talented beyond measure. She was the best musician anyone could have in their band, and the best friend anyone could have in their life. We were very lucky to have her in our life, and a life with her. Statement from the band, and uh, I just wanted to say to the Fleetwood Mac family that I know and, and talk to, uh, from Larry Vigon and his wife to, to Mick and all the rest, Lynn Peterson over in Maui. Uh, my condolences and my thoughts are with you. And uh, it's a sad day, but uh, her music will live in, on and I thank her for the gift of her music so much. All right. Uh wanted to talk to you a little bit about Myth. In Santa Barbara, on the north side of town, there is a little plateau high above the sea. This little community of of, uh, track homes and beach bungalows is known as the Mesa. Near the very end of the Mesa, you can take a left onto Mesa Lane. And if you head to the very end of the street where it dead ends, against a group of unassuming cedar-covered homes that seem to fill an entire block and seem very similar, one after the other, to the next one. This block has been referred to as a compound. That's what us locals in Santa Barbara have called it. It adds more mystery to the Beach Boys lore. As kids, we would ride our skateboards and our bikes past the homes, slowing down and looking for a sighting of a beach boy. For it is said, and was told to me, that the beach boys lived there, all of them. (laughs) So as a kid, I thought they all lived there. The compound is near what the locals call out of habit, the Wilcox property although its official name is Douglas Family Preserve, after actor Michael Douglas saved the property from development for all to enjoy. And again, as rumor had it, this is where Brian Wilson and all the Beach Boys lived. They loved, they played, and recorded music here. I believed this all of my life. When I had out-of-town visitors, I would tell them that's where the Beach Boys live almost like Santa Claus, it was, it was myth <laughs> and lore, and I believed it. It turns out, not only were the Beach Boys not born in Santa Barbara, they formed in Hawthorne, California, but also that the compound was not the home to all of the Beach Boys, it was only home to cousin Mike Love of the Beach Boys, and not the brothers, Brian, Dennis, and Carl Wilson. So if you grew up in Santa Barbara, or anywhere in Southern California, or heck, anywhere in the world for that matter, then the mystique and the lore that surrounds the Beach Boys' stories are legendary. And that's why you need an expert like my very special guest today, Professor David Leaf of the UCLA Herb Albert School of Music. He's a Peabody and WGAW award-winning writer, a director, and a producer, and the Beach Boys biographer and the author of "God Only Knows," the story of Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, and the California Myth. I'm going to uh, honor my guest a little bit here today, and, and probably embarrass him as well, but he earned it, and. I want to talk about it. So I'm going to tell you a little bit more about him. David Leaf, again, like I said, he's a Peabody and WGAW award-winning writer, director, and producer. He's the creative visionary behind such critically acclaimed films and festival favorites as the Focal Award winner for the Night James Brown Saved Boston. For the U.S. versus John Lennon, it was winner at the Exhibitors Award at the Venice Film Festival. For the Grammy-nominated Beautiful Dreamer, Brian Wilson and the Story of Smile, and also the Bee Gees, this is where I came in. Most recently, he directed the feature documentary on the Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, Dion. Dion, Born to Cry, is in post-production. He wrote, produced, and directed To Tell the Truth, a film about the uh, World War II japanese internment camps and was a consultant for the white horse pictures production of frank marshall's hbo feature documentary the Bee Gees: how can you mend a broken heart david Leaf's television credits include being one of the writers in the emmy winning landmark 9 11 all network telethon america a tribute to heroes that very same year David wrote and produced TNT's acclaimed an all-star tribute to Brian Wilson, and he was also a producer of the Emmy-nominated Billy Joel and his own words on a e As an author, David is best known for his books for the Grammy-nominated The Pet Sound Sessions, his groundbreaking Brian Wilson biography, The Beach Boys and The California Myth, writing The Bee Gees, the group's Authorized Autobiography, and the Beatles and the Beach Boys chapters for Capitol Records' 50th Anniversary Book. Since 2010, Professor David Leaf has been teaching undergraduate courses at the UCLA Herb Albert School of Music in Los Angeles, including courses in rock documentary and songwriting and the Beatles. Welcome, my friend, welcome, David Leaf. Welcome to the show.
2: Thank you, Jeremiah. It's it's great great to be here. And actually, the very first Beach Boy I interviewed was Mike Love at the compound in, in uh, June of 1976.
1: So, how did I get it all so wrong? How do we all get it so... Because it really is rumor in Santa Barbara that they all lived there, or <laughs> did they all live there at one time, or
2: not that i'm aware of i i do know that brian would would go up there to visit and mike had a studio and then michael in the studio and work together um but as far as i know uh the the, the other beach boys didn't visit there
1: okay uh i i do know also i've had friends that um i had a friend that dated michael Love's son, and and i hear then you hear rumors there's like a sound they had a sound booth, but then it turned into a rest, a bathroom with a a nice shower and bathtub in it. <laughs> but it was open to the room still. Um, it, yeah, I, I've never been in there, but I've I've heard lots of things, and probably most of them aren't true as rumors, which is kind of a little bit of the title of your book. There there are a lot of myths of of California of the Beach Boys. Um, and, yeah, the, the
2: the Beach Boys story is is mythological. I mean, I almost feel like Aesop telling fables here, it's true. because because so much of it seems impossible. How these how these kids who uh, you know three of whom had not graduated, uh, two of them were still in high school. Dennis and Carl Wilson, uh, Brian and, and and Al Jardine were uh, just going to junior college. Mike had graduated high school and, and was working, as he used to joke, in the oil business, as in the gas and oil, can I check your tires? <laughs> uh, so they were all under 20 years old. And they, they weren't, it wasn't like the Beatles where they spent five years woodshedding and spending all this time, you know, bonding and creating music and making it before they were discovered by Brian Epstein. And he s- became their manager and got him a deal with EMI Records in England. The Beach Boys did it in less than five months. So it was as if they had won the, the the music business lottery.
1: Where were you when they formed and when they became? <laughs> were you there uh, from the beginning or? I'm not that old. Come on. <laughs> I was a kid. I was. I was. I, I That's what in, I meant. I didn't mean anything by it. <laughs>
2: yeah, I. I was. I was, uh, I was in, in in New York. I was born in in the city. I grew up in in New Rochelle, New York, most famous for being where Dick Van Dyke lived on The Dick Van Dyke Show. And that's because Carl Reiner, the show's creator, lived in, in New Rochelle before he created the show. Um, so I was just a kid listening to the radio and I listened to and, and buying 45s. I loved music. I loved Top 40 radio. Um, I did not like the Beach Boys' first few singles. We didn't actually hear them. They weren't successful enough to To get onto New York radio, it was Mm. was difficult to to. You had to be high up on the charts to get onto New York radio. So the first time I remember hearing Beach Boys songs uh, were were things like Surfing USA," which which you know mentions you know the Ventura County line is one of the great surf spots, not too far from where you are, Mm -hmm. not too far from where I'll be at the Museum of Ventura County uh, in December. Is that RingCon? Uh, not, not Rincon, no. um, and and then a song called Surf City, which was written by Brian Wilson uh, originally, and, and then it was finished by Jan and Dean, and and so we we're hearing those songs on on the radio, um, and and that's kind of the, the the myth of California, the juvenile myth uh, of the original book was two girls for every boy. Mm. I mean that I couldn't get a date. So so that sounded pretty darn good.
1: That's interesting from so you're a kid in New Jersey. You know, I was actually here. I I wasn't I don't think born when when they first had a lot of hits but I grew up with with the Beach Boys music in Southern California and um and it was relatable as a kid and I liked it but for a kid in New Jersey growing up you're saying that was even part of that lore it was the the music, the myth of California, the call. Yes, the, the that...
2: music was part of it, and and the the, the these very cheesy Frankie Avalon and Nettie movies, which you know you watch them, they're not very good movies, but there they were on the beach. Um, they usually had names like Beach Ball or you know something like that. So so in New York, I my dream as a kid, I remember sitting on the swings. With the literally the girl next door, and and we were talking about how when we grew up and got married, we were like eight years old. We were going to have a penthouse apartment in Manhattan and a beach house in Malibu. That was that was that was that was how powerful the images of the movies were. Hmm. And what
1: happened to that girl?
2: Oh, well, she she passed away a few years ago. Oh, sorry. sorry to say.
1: Sorry, David. How do you become, I think this this will tell me more about you than anything um, that you could tell me in your, your your younger days. How do you become close to an icon like Brian Wilson?
2: Um, so when I was in college, um, I went to George Washington um, during the height of the anti-war movement, late 60s, early 70s. And there was a lot of craziness going on, a lot of anger, I used to sort of joke, we were getting tear gassed whether we wanted to or not. Mm. Um, I, I remember waking up one morning and, and pulling the shades of my dorm room, which faced Pennsylvania Avenue, just five blocks from the White House. And the 81st Airborne Division was getting out of armored vehicles to surround the campus the day of a demonstration. So I, I was a, a journalist. I was going to be a sports writer. That was that was my goal. And in journalism class we we read the biography of Edward R Murrow. And Edward R Murrow, I learned could change the course of a story by telling a story about it. And when I read about Brian Wilson and and became obsessed with his story and became obsessed with the myth Of this legendary album that had been left uncompleted, called Smile, I my roommate and I we talked about this endlessly, and he said, "Well, go do something about it." And and I came up with this notion that okay, I'm going to move to California, write a book about the Beach Boys, become Brian's friend, and help him finish Smile. That's how insane a notion I had when I was 19 years old. Um, I I kind of. Became obsessed in the fall of 1971. I moved to, to, to Santa Monica. Four years later in the fall of 75, I wasn't in L.A. Eight, 36 hours before I bumped into Dennis Wilson on the streets of Santa Monica wow. and went up to him. And I was never shy. And I said, hi, Dennis. My name is David Leaf. I just moved to California to write a book about your brother, Brian. And he laughed and he said, good luck. <laughs> um <laughs> how do I? How do you write a book? There's a long series of circumstances that led to the book contract, um, but but it was because I was writing the book that I got to know Brian, mm. because in interviewing his best friends or talking to them and telling them about the story I was I was writing, they felt I should get to know him, not interview him, but just get to know
1: him. What so, was the story so, you were writing? What was your David what were you setting out to do uh, I,
2: I wanted to grab the world by the collar and say you got to pay attention to this Brian Wilson guy he's really important as an artist that was the that was the story I wanted to tell and I wanted to tell the story in such a way that his life would be better that's how naive I was hmm. i really i really thought that by telling this story,
1: things would change. Can I pause you there for a second, just so I don't lose this this spot? You wanted to grab the world by the collar and tell them how important this man was, Brian Wilson, and his art and his music. What was he, how had he grabbed your attention and and made you feel he was so important and that so much so you move to california you seek out his friends and you've got to tell his story what 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 did he do for you that made you feel this way
2: in the 1960s i was just a beach boys fan the, the beatles were my musical gods so i bought a few beach boys singles and, and they, they were just another group that i that i really liked but i had no connection. In, in, in 1971, a writer named Tom Nolan did a massive cover story on Rolling, on Rolling Stone magazine, telling what became basically the thesis of my book. It, it was about Smile. It was, it was talking about this new album called Surf's Up, uh, which featured the song Surf's Up, which was the centerpiece of this Smile album that had never come out. Um, and it talked about the abuse that Brian had suffered as a child. It, it talked about how he had retreated from the music business, that he had retreated into his room, was the myth, was he didn't come out of his room. And it was like, none of it made any sense.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: To, 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 you know, As a sports writer, you go to a game, you watch the game, there's a winner and a loser, and you're, you write it up. Th- this story had, was so complicated. But when I heard the song Surf's Up, um, I said to myself, this is as good as the myth says it is. Mm. And selfishly, it's like, I want to hear more of this smile music. More, th- maybe as important, the song just before Surf's Up on the album called Till I Die was the saddest song I ever heard. It was a song written by Brian Wilson, Words and Music sung by Brian and the Beach Boys, and it was, the, it was the song of a man who had given up on life. It inspired me to go to my college newspaper and say, I've been writing sports stories. I want to write about music. So the first thing I ever wrote about music was a review of this album. Mm. And, and, that, and so my obsession began.
1: That's, that's such a fascinating story. Um, in a way, David, do you think I was drawing comparisons as you were, you were, uh, remembering this time and how this affected you and, and Brian, you know, in his room and, you know, that's, that's known, you know, well known, pretty well known, but, um, that depression, that, that change, um, and you look at some of the artists right now where it's more, it's more talked about the mental health thing and uh, in the sports world, you know, in the Olympics mm-hmm. recently um, the, you know, Selena Gomez with, you know, her documentary, you know um, it's it feels like with he way, maybe this wasn't so documented back then. And this is, um, what he was going through uh, artistically mentally for the in the public eye that so caught you your attention uh, that you went down this journey to write you know the book on brian wilson um the um, class yeah i be-
2: i I, be- I became not just obsessed with the story but it felt like like it was a mission like it was a calling that I had to. I had heard the song in my room, and, and that had appealed to me. There was there was a melancholy to it. I love California Girls and Good Vibrations as well. But when I read about the abuse he had suffered as a child, and I read about um, you know everybody talking about what had happened to Brian, he took too many drugs. It was too much pressure. He was competing with the Beatles. It was like uh, it, there were all these puzzle pieces that I wanted to make sense of, and um, and, I, and I, I did to a certain degree. Uh, the, the ultimate truth is Brian's story is told perfectly in his music. If you listen to it, the music he made with the Beach Boys and the music he made on his own, you can hear the story of Brian Wilson. Yeah. The, the, what I've written, and I think I've written more words about him than pretty much anybody else alive, if you want to, if you want insight into his artistry, if you want to know how he did what he did, if you want to know what the obstacles were, if you, if you want to hear about some of the landmines he stepped on, uh, if you want to hear about his redemption and how he escaped from nine years of imprisonment by this weird doctor, if you want to hear how he met the, the, the woman who gave him what he called emotional security and allowed him to, to have a artistic rebirth. If you you know it's it's all in this book as 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 as, as well as I can tell it.
1: Mm. Yeah, it, 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 you tell it well, and we're going to again the music. If you're just joining us, my special guest, very special guest today, David Leaf. Uh, the music that we're about to play, going to commercial right now, uh, and throughout this show, really. Almost as the soundtrack to the book and the story that we're talking about today on the show. Uh, David, we're we're gonna hear God Only Knows and uh when I we're gonna come back with when I grow up to be a man. Um, you talked a little bit about God Only Knows and by the way, that's to me that's one of the uh you're I'm like you, I like their music and the upbeat stuff, but God Only Knows is one to me is one of the saddest songs ever for me i just feel it every time i hear it and um
2: well you're right there with paul mccartney he says he when he listens to it he cries Mm -hmm. i mean he wrote a beautiful little piece to open the book and and i interviewed him back in 1990 for a half hour just talking about the pet sounds album and god only knows and he thinks it's the greatest song ever written
1: it's a love song why does he think that does he did he explain he, he can't. He said he can't explain. Yeah, it. It's, it's hard to it just. You, I can't explain it either. What? It, why it makes me sad?
2: But 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 a love song where the first line is "I may not always love you."
1: So honest. It's
2: right off. Right off the bat, it's like, whoa. Where is this song taking us?
1: It is. That's also something that's thought a lot, but never not said out loud. Right in <laughs> the first time in music, it's like, it's a very. If you've been in a relationship, you know, you know, it it says it sums it up in a few words better than anything could. Um, Okay, we're going to go to break real quickly here and we're going to come right back with David Leaf. Don't go anywhere. We're talking about David's book, uh, which you can get copies on amazon right now i'm going to put out the link in the podcast and on the social media because there's a special amazon link and it's a little garbled and coded so i'll put the link uh, directly in those social media posts the book is god only knows the story of brian wilson the beach boys and the california myth we'll be right back
2: Brian Wilson once said, I've never written one note or word of music simply because I think it will make money. The music Brian Wilson composed, arranged, produced, and sang with the Beach Boys and on his own will touch our souls forever. This holiday season, share Brian Wilson's heartfelt story with your loved ones. Give God Only Knows the story of Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, and the California myth to the music lover in your life to your father, to your brother, to your husband, to your wife, your son, your daughter, or just a dear friend who loves music. For anybody who wants to read a story of redemption, or a story of personal triumph, a story of artistic renaissance, and celebrate the miracle of what Brian has accomplished in the past 35 years, this is the book for anyone who cares about music history. It's the story of the power of music as told through this spiritual adventure of Brian Wilson. My publisher tells me the only place to order the book right now is at this link on Amazon. It's sold out everywhere else. So get your copy today.
0: Restaurant is a tasty new segment on the Jeremiah Show. Host Will Knox, renowned restaurant real estate specialist, serves up a fresh look at the restaurant business. On the menu, celebrity chefs, startups, operators, deal makers, designers, and those are just some of the appetizers. Look for all of Mr. Restaurant shows. Tell your smart speaker to play the Jeremiah Show, Mr. Restaurant. Hi, i am shadow stevens while i'm doing this and that and the other thing at the very same time i'm having a great time on the jeremiah show the greatest show in the history of the world for the love of god subscribe no seriously subscribe hey everybody it's tim stack from it's radio with tv's tim stack telling you
1: asking you to watch the show sprung on freebie amazon's new free channel I promise you, it's funny, it's got heart, and my shoulder appears in episode three.
0: Welcome, Los Angeles. The Jeremiah Show is now on Radio Candy Radio. Discover a world of emotions, your digital radio. The Jeremiah Show airs 10 p.m. Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. RadioCandyRadio.com.
1: Hi, I'm Marielle Hemingway, and you're listening to The Jeremiah Show. show, we've got a very special guest on the show today, sharing his stories, his personal stories, uh, his writing, uh, music that he loves from Brian Wilson and the Beach Boys. Um, it's just a really, really great conversation so far. Welcome back, David. I just want to give out real quickly at the top here. Go to Leaf production, probably, Leaf, leafprod.com, dot com, And on Facebook, you can find David at david.leaf.712. Really? Just, uh,
2: just enter my name on Facebook.
1: Yeah, that will work too. But that's your handle, uh, whether you know it or not. <laughs> Didn't know <laughs> I, it. I took the handle. Um, David's publisher tells us the only place to order the book right now is at... This link, and to get this link, it's on Amazon. You're going to have to go look at the socials on my pages or on this podcast. The book is God Only Knows, The Story of Brian Wilson, The Beach Boys, and the California Myth. Um, It is fascinating, and we're talking a little bit about it here today. Ted Harbert, former chairman of NBC, president and CEO of Comcast, chairman ABC TV Entertainment, says David Leaf is quite simply. The best at what he does. No one is more knowledgeable about music and pop culture. His writing, producing skills are superb. So pick up your copy. It's a perfect time to buy a gift for someone that you love and give them just a great, the great gift of music, uh, written word like no other. It's just amazing. He's trusted by icons, he is a consummate storyteller. Whether it's a screenplay, a documentary, a television special, a book, producing or hosting an event, storytelling is at the heart of David's gift. Whatever the subject, he presents it in an engaging, entertaining, and a meaningful way that, so the audience is transported on a journey they'll never forget. David Leaf, welcome back. Uh, we went to hey, break.
2: Jeremiah, can I engage you as my, my agent?
1: <laughs> I'm, hey, I got nothing else to do. <laughs> uh, and I like hanging out with you. So, yes, I'll take the job. I, you don't need to pay me. I'll, I'll just show up. Uh, we, as long as we can talk about music. I love talking about music. And, and we went to break with God Only Knows, and we came back with When I Grow Up to Be a Man. Why did you choose these songs, David? Um,
2: God Only Knows, I chose, um, A, it's the title song of the book. B, it's one of Brian Wilson's most beautiful compositions, and maybe his most beloved uh, songs ever, uh, when I interviewed Paul McCartney, and and he said it makes him cry when, when he hears it, and he picked it as his favorite song of all time. The, the other reason I chose it and, and, and used it in the title of, of the book is that Many times if people ask me a question about the Beach Boys or Brian Wilson, the answer very simply is, God only knows. I mean there, there is an inexplicable nature to this story that that you know there's just no no getting around. to, to you know, thank you for reading what Ted Harbert had to say about me. but the, 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 the truth is in the music. And when you when you try to get to the truth of a story, in the Beach Boys story, it's not just one one person says this and another person says that. There's like 50 different sides to the story, so it's a very difficult thing. And, and very often, I'll just say, "God only knows." Um, when When I grow up to be a man was one of my favorite Beach Boys hits in the '60s. And when I was when I was working um, uh, on the book, um, I had this notion. Because at the very end of when I grew up to be a man, the background vocals are, are counting off the, the years, 27, 28, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 34. And I had this idea that when it got to the last year in, in, in that countdown, Brian would suddenly be okay. Um, mm. that, was, uh, that was not the case. Mm. But I, I, I love that song.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um let's go back, David. Uh so you're you're interviewing you you've moved to California if if you're just joining us. David moves to California. You 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 wanted to grab the world by its collar and 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 um show them why Brian Wilson was so special to you and but also to the world and make sure people paid attention and so you start you bump into his brother uh what do you say 24 48 hours within being in santa monica and then you start interviewing his friends so this is your process you're slowly getting closer slowly getting closer to the man pick it up from there where is it, where do we go how do you well, there's a couple
2: a couple of interesting stories along those lines um i was shooting baskets with Mike Love, with with a friend of mine from college. And Mike Love's brother, Stan, who had just retired from the NBA, walks onto the court with Brian Wilson and says, you guys want to play two-on-two? So that's the first time I met Brian. The next couple of times I met him were in, were in typical kind of publicity, Beach Boys circumstances. But the, the first meaningful time I spent with Brian was when his – girlfriend and her roommate invited me over to dinner when he was there. Wow. And
1: it so wasn't this is to the interview. first time. This is you're, you're going to meet the man that you're dedicating so much time doing your life to at this time of your life. Correct. Wow.
2: And, and um, I didn't even, I didn't even kind of know the import of it. Um, um, and it was not a, a happy experience because the man I met was very depressed Mm. very withdrawn he did not know yet that he could trust me he hadn't made that determination yet so it was it wasn't it wasn't a great uh first meeting um the next time
1: you were you going to ask something i'm david i was just going to say because i think this is so important into this is so important and telling about who you are as a person um big stars like this rare you rarely get close to them you because so many people want a piece of them and they don't know who to trust anymore so i think this says so much is that you and a point that i just wanted to kind of underline and, and pause on for a second that you earned his trust eventually but go ahead go on
2: i did thank you um a few months later the book was finished, but it hadn't yet been printed. I was at my apartment with, with a friend who had flown in from Colorado, who's a big Beach Boys collector. And we had gone out to, to dinner and, for pizza, of course, and uh, come back. And we were just talking about the book and Brian and the Beach Boys. And there's a knock on my door at one o'clock in the morning. It's like, who is coming to my apartment at one o'clock in the morning? And I go to the door, and it's two local L.A. music scene people, Rodney Bingenheimer, the famous DJ from Rodney on the Rock, and with him is Harvey Kubernick, who at that point was the the West Coast correspondent for Melody Maker Magazine, and with them is Brian Wilson. And, And Harvey says to me, we didn't know where else to bring him, so we brought him here. And Brian comes in, and they leave. And it's like, what the heck just happened? Um, and he sits down and Brian says, do you have anything to eat? Because um, in Brian's life, I think, you know, music and food are kind of one and one A in terms of what he loves the most. Mm-hmm. Laughter is in there as well. Um, and I had a couple of leftover slices of pizza, which, which I heated up and he, he wolfed them down. And then he went to sleep on the couch. And my friend and I are looking at each other, and it's like, what is going on? Why is this guy I've just spent five years obsessed about, a year working on this book, sit lying on my couch? How did this happen? Mm-hmm. And Brian woke up around 3:30, 4 o'clock in the morning. He said, Can you give me a ride home? And I said, Yeah, and we got in the car and we, we drove him home. And what I realized, what I what I came to understand, the the deeper I got into his life and the story was that Brian had guardian angels. And I know that sounds like some crazy concept, but I mean it in the sense that there were people who he knew he could trust and he could show up at their house and they would take care of it. He could show up at Linda Ronstadt's apartment and and say, Linda, I I I need a quarter to get this grape juice for this this condition I have, do you have some change? That he could go to his girlfriend's house and just crash there knowing that everything would be okay when he woke up in the morning. That he could go to his best friend Danny Hutton's house and be there. And these were places where people uh, would not be trying to leech onto him because he had spent the 1960s With people trying to get a piece of Brian Wilson, yeah, and and I I became I became my I became one of those places where it was sanctuary.
1: How how, what a neat story! What a what a beautiful story! Uh, Did did I get the timing right? That you you had just met him earlier that night. Before he came, no, this
2: was, It was. It was. I had met him months. I had. I had met him three times prior to oh, that. Okay. I had been to dinner with him a few months before uh, the okay. night he, he was dropped off at my apartment. Why was he dropped off at my apartment? I didn't find that out till I did this massive update for the new edition of the book. Um, this guy Harvey Kubernick was going over to Rodney's apartment because Rodney always had the latest um, uh, British import singles. <laughs> And Harvey parks and he sees somebody in the middle of Sunset Boulevard weaving in and out of traffic. And he runs out and he grabs the person, he pulls him to the sidewalk. And when he gets there, he realizes it's Brian. And he says, Brian, are you okay? And Brian says, I took too many reds. And he says, "Well, I'm just going over to Rodney's apartment. Uh, what do you, you want to come? He, oh, yeah. Does he have any Phil Spector records to play?" Mm. I mean, that was <laughs> that was the world of Brian Wilson yeah. that, you know, there were nights that Carl Wilson and Jerry Schilling were out on the streets looking for Brian. Um it just it, it boggled my mind that this man who had made the entire world happy with his music that had made his family all millionaires that he was just kind of abandoned So
1: oh, sad and and but it, it
2: it was very very
1: disturbing to me i, I like uh, to think that you're one of his guardian angels and you were and <laughs> his friends and i like to think of it that way um it is sad that of all the millions and millions billions of people that he's influenced or that have heard him or smiled or felt better with his music for a few moments. Um, it, it, it's sad that he didn't have, um, or maybe he, th- that experience, um, it's scary sometimes. I think when you you don't know what people want you for, or like you for. But um, I'm glad that he had you and his friends. Thank you. And we've got to take uh, David a real quick break here. Um, I, I'm a little over, so we can't ex- talk about the songs th- on this side. But let's talk about it when we get back from the break. What we're going to take you to break with is "Surfs Up," which you know, as you said, is one of the most beautiful songs, and and it's a story. Um, I just love listening to today, trying to figure out where do I, I, there's nowhere to cut this for for a a commercial radio show. Um, You just need to listen to the whole thing. And we're going to come back in with good vibrations. Uh, My special guest today is David Leaf and his book. I encourage you, if you're at home right now and you can go to your Amazon uh, off your phone or your computer, get David Leaf, God Only Knows. The Story of Brian Wilson, The Beach Boys, and The California Myth. Uh, we're telling the story right now with David about how he, this book, became uh, a mission and a, and a life force and uh, brought him to California and eventually became one of uh, Brian Wilson's guardian angels and, and, and really great friends. Um, I also want to encourage you, the reason that David Leaf and I have met today is through our good friend Ivor Davis, a mutual friend. And Ivor, uh, as you know, um, Ivor does a a show at Ventura uh, Museum, uh, the Museum of Ventura County. It's on 100 East Main Street in Ventura. Ivor Davis does a show uh, at an interview and we'll have David Leaf, my guest today on his show, Ivor Davis, up close and personal with David Leaf. Ivor, if if you've ever seen an interview with Ivor, is one of the masters in his craft, and uh, was one of the was the only journalist invited on that famous uh, Northwestern Northwest tour or Northern tour uh, with the Beatles when they hit America. Uh, Ivor has interviewed everybody from Tom Cruise to Muhammad Ali to uh um manson and the list goes on iver davis up close and personal it's on december 8 6 30 p.m to 8 p.m go get, if you're in ventura you can get there I, I encourage you guys to go uh go see the show and the interview live but you can also stream it and um very very affor- affordable it's free for members non-members or in person is ten dollars and non-members on zoom so global international listeners of this show check it out on zoom it's only five dollars and you're gonna you're gonna really enjoy yourself we'll be right back
2: god only knows the story of brian wilson was originally published in 1978 as the beach boys in the california myth and it was considered to be a groundbreaking study because it was the first full-length book on the band and the first to recognize brian wilson as one of the most significant and influential artists of the 20th century it covered Every aspect of his life has it applied to his artistic journey, with most of the attention paid to the remarkable music. The book, I'm proud to say, became an instant classic, and Mojo Magazine recently called it legendary. It's an intimate look at Brian's roller coaster of a life and career. It's told through the eyes of the people who were there during Brian's most legendary productions, including Pet Sounds and Good Vibrations. It was revised and updated in 1985, but this new edition, God Only Knows, includes a chapter on Brian's first acclaimed solo album, his startling return to life performing, the landmark Pet Sound Store, the all-star tribute to Brian Wilson uh, at Radio City Music Hall, which I wrote and produced, and his triumphant and miraculous Brian Wilson Presents Smile world premiere in London. The book is truly filled with... With surprising revelations, insight, and behind the scenes detail because it's my journey with Brian. It also features a new introduction from Paul McCartney, an essay from Barry Gibb, and a very special piece from the the great, great songwriter Jimmy Webb. That's God Only Knows the story of Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys, and the California Myth.
0: somerset england the jeremiah show is now on core radio keep on rocking to the core core radio the jeremiah show airs at 10 p.m tuesdays wednesdays and thursday core radio dot rocks
3: hey there i'm caleb
0: i'm becca and
3: i'm joshua and we, we are girl named, girl named tom.
0: tom go to girlnametom.com to hear more of our music buy merchandise and learn about our story you're listening to the Jeremiah Show.
1: been listening to the jeremiah show i am miles zuniga from fastball hey this is tim
4: and this is christian we're l1011 hi
1: this is ron sexsmith on the jeremiah
4: show
0: and we're back with the jeremiah show
3: I love the colourful clothes she wears And the way the sunlight plays upon her hair I hear the sound of a gentle mood On the wind that lifts her perfume through the air I'm picking up her vibrations She's giving me the air
1: Welcome back to the Jeremiah Show. My very special guest today is David Leaf, professor at UCLA. Uh, he's also Peabody and WGA. W. Writers Guild of America West, award winning writer. He's a director, he's a producer, and he's the creative visionary behind such critically acclaimed films and festival favorites as The Night James Brown Saved Boston and The U.S. versus John Lennon, the Grammy nominated Beautiful Dreamer, Brian Wilson, and The Story of Smile, and of course, The Bee Gees. This is where I came in. I want to give you. I want you to go to YouTube um, right now and check out the film. There's a a, there's a great film on YouTube called "Beautiful Dreamer," Brian Wilson and the story of Smile. Um, you want a Grammy for this, right, David? A Grammy nomination. Grammy nomination. You it's a it's great. It's on YouTube. Um, Check it out. I'll put the link again on all the socials here. So we came back, David. uh,
2: By by the way, if if you go to the, the link where it's it shows a time of two hours after the credit roll, somebody has put an interview that I did with Brian right after his first smile tour. And one of the things that he says is he's comparing Smile to Pet Sounds, which is his most acclaimed album. And he says something like, on a scale of one to 10, I give Pet Sounds a three and Smile a 10. Mm. That that gives you an idea of what the artist thinks Mm. of the music.
1: Oh, yeah. So, so check that out. And again, I'm going to put that link up in when I post the show uh, today. So, uh, and again, I want to remind, we're doing the show uh, a week before day. David Leaf is with Ivor Davis up close and personal at the Museum of Ventura County. Uh, You can get your tickets now. Uh, I I would recommend getting them early. Um, Also the copy of the book that we're talking about today. I'll give you the title in just one moment. Um, I do that all now, early. Get it get it done and get it, uh, you're really going to enjoy this up close and personal. Ivor Davis, the great legendary journalist and, and author, Ivor Davis. Um, when we went to break, David, we used, we played Surf's Up. And when we came in, we played Good Vibrations. I think that's a, everyone knows that one. It reminds me of those sun-kissed ads. I remember those when I was a little kid. <laughs> anyway, uh, I've got so many questions for you, but you wanted to talk about this music. Um, tell us about well, why you chose this music.
2: Well, sir, sir so, um, really, it it was like it stuck a harpoon in me, and 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 uh, it was like I've got to hear more of this smile music. Whatever this smile music is that's been put on a shelf, I want to hear more. If it's anything like "Surf's Up," and the article that I read in in Rolling Stone indicated that it was uh, one of the great things in life is that almost nothing lives up to expectation, and in this case, when Brian finally went on tour and performed Brian Wilson presents Smile, it actually exceeded expectation. So that was pretty thrilling. "Good Vibrations" is is it's a landmark in music history because the, of the way he produced it. It was a number one million selling single. Brian, Brian created what you would call a modular style of recording, where he recorded pieces of the song in different studios around Los Angeles. And then he figured out how to put this jigsaw puzzle together. And it's you to listen to it, you would have no idea. But it, it is the ultimate, you know, to use the cliche, it's the ultimate good vibration. Um, it, it is it is what Brian said when he started Smile. He said, I'm going to write a teenage symphony to God. And Good Vibrations was the first expression of this very happy spiritual sound that he wanted to to, to create.
1: Did your relationship with Brian lead to other musicians opening up to you and inviting you into their inner circle?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, the company that, that packaged the, 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 the first edition of, of the Beach Boys in the California Myth got the rights to do uh, the Bee Gees authorized biography, and they were looking for somebody to write it. They sent uh, my book in galley form to to RSO Records, which was the Bee Gees label, and the man there, there named Jay Levy read it and said, that's the guy who's going to write the Bee Gees book. And I've had a relationship with... Uh, the BGs and especially Barry Gibbs now for, for 44 years, worked on a number of projects with them. Um, the book um, got me hired on a lot of television shows. It, it, my first Writers Guild uh, television assignment was on the Beach Boys 25th anniversary special mm-hmm. because it was like the producer's like, well, let's have somebody write this show or at least co-write the show who knows something about their history. <laughs> so it it, it I, I liken my career essentially to a, a long line of dominoes. Remember how when we were kids, you would set up dominoes mm-hmm. and you would knock them over. The book is the first domino. And mostly o- almost everything comes from that.
1: Your calling was, was right. Your gut, your, you followed your calling. How much value, David, do you put on this honor that these iconic musicians, artists, surrounded by fans and, and people that want a piece of them, how much honor do you put on that? Do you think about that that and the value of that um that closeness, that the connection that you get that you have had with these artists?
2: A lot of it is surreal. I mean just I, I worked on a number of occasions with Sir George Martin, the Beatles producer, the man who signed them to to to, to Parlophone Records, that that he trusted me enough to talk both on and off the record about the Beatles and Brian. Um, in one interview, he said, Sergeant Pepper was our attempt to equal Pet Sounds. That's how highly he valued and the Beatles valued Pet Sounds. It, when I produced an all-star tribute to, to Brian Wilson at, at Radio City Music Hall with the late, great producer Phil Ramon and My pal Chip Racklin, George Martin flew from London. He wasn't going to perform, he was gonna present. And in his in his speech, he said, if I have to select one living genius of popular music, I would choose Brian Wilson. Mm. So, you know, it's I get goosebumps just thinking about, you know, the fact that that these people trust me enough to let me tell their story to to work. I'm just finishing a documentary on the legendary rock and roll Hall of Famer Mm -hmm. Dion. And I did an interview with Paul Simon for that and Bruce Springsteen for that and Steve Van Zandt for that. So it's, it's,
1: it's an honor. It's
2: it's an honor. It's an honor. And I don't take any of it lightly. Um, I'm very careful uh, with, with how I use the words I'm told and how I present Presented to the world, and I learned all of that from a television special I worked on before I wrote the book on Brian Wilson. I worked on a show called Sinatra and Friends, starring, of course, Frank Sinatra, and I was just—I was what they called a gopher, a production assistant. That meant I went go for coffee, go for lunch, but just being around the environment of these iconic figures and seeing how. It was all handled, how it was all done. I remember standing outside Mr. Sinatra's dressing room at one point. Standing next to him was Dean Martin and Johnny Carson. Um, I wasn't saying anything. I was with the producer for that moment. when the producer said, hey, kid, we got to go do something. We go take care of it. So I learned how to respect what these great artists did and how to present what they did Uh, to the people who wanted to see them or read about them.
1: My very special guest today is David Leaf. David Leaf is the author of the classic, God Only Knows, The Story of Brian Wilson, The Beach Boys and the California Myth. And you can pick up your copy. I'm going to give you an Amazon link on all my socials and on the podcast uh, post here. We're going to come you. right back. We're going to take you to break. Uh, this is our last break of the show. We're going to break within my room, and we're going to come back with Till I Die. Um, I'm sure David will have a lot to tell us about why he chose these two songs. Um, and we'll be right back.
2: Four years ago, I established the Brian Wilson Scholarship for composing, arranging, and producing popular music at the UCLA Herb Albert School of Music. This year, to raise money for the scholarship fund, I created the God Only Knows VIP Experience, a numbered and limited edition of the book signed by me, the author. It's almost sold out, but there's still time to reserve a limited edition Christmas present for the Brian Wilson Beach Boys fan or music lover in your life. Share in the joyous celebration of so many magical moments, God Only Knows, the real story behind Brian's redemption and musical renaissance. If you want to be part of the God Only Knows VIP experience, raising money for the scholarship fund at UCLA, go to leafprod.com and click on the VIP experience. Thank you. Brian thanks you, and UCLA thanks you.
0: Jeremiah's top 10 new artist picks On Radio India Alliance each week The Radio India Alliance is a chart service That allows indie recording artists An opportunity to have chart placements We don't charge, we support RadioIndiaAlliance.com Hi there
2: everybody, this is Anne H. Hey everybody, I'm Art Alex From the band Everclear My name's Danny Dreho And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show
4: Jeremiah, your loved home
0: need help with your restaurant or hospitality business see how we can help your business at hjlrestaurantadvisors.com
4: hey it's tim stack and having been in show business for so long i have a lot of really funny friends and you can hear
1: them all on its radio with tv's tim stack that's part of the jeremiah show so listen
0: Hey, this is Jeff Skunk Baxter. Please open your heart and reach out to a veteran and let them know, number one, that they are loved and respected. You won't give up if they don't give up. And you're listening to The Jeremiah Show.
1: jeremiah show my special guest today david leaf david is so accomplished uh if you've been with us during the interview i've i've given out his resume and he's so much more than that not only that he's just a great uh a great human being here i really have enjoyed my time with him we went to break with um in my room by the beach boys we came back with till i die David, why did you choose those two songs uh, in your? To in my in my book?
2: room was the first song of the Beach Boys that I heard that touched me uh, in in a way that I relate. There was something more than just a pop song. There was a, there was a melancholy to it. There was a sadness to it that I related to. Till I Die was was the, when I heard that song in 1971. I realized that all of Brian Wilson's talent was still intact, and that he could express everything in you know, everything he was feeling could still come through his music and that really inspired me to to want to help him in any way i could
1: trust trust is crucial in all relationships but especially the relationships you're you've developed with some of the world's like most iconic musicians how did you earn that do you think uh, you know and have you have you looked back in in retrospect? Do you do you do you look at who you are and how you how you've earned that that trust? Such a big. I
2: I, I can point to specific moments where I th- I think it happened, um, but I think very simply uh, it was about being honest and 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 not blowing smoke and and not trying and never never asking somebody to do something that i didn't think was right for them that was especially important with brian um, um and and when it came to the smile project and, and the making of the, of the beautiful dreamer documentary uh, i had to at one point um, ask him if he wanted to stop working on it because he was it was making him sick and that was a difficult moment to, to, to you know this was going to be a big film in my career but as his friend i said brian if if, if finishing this album is going to make you sick then we need to stop right away and this was only on the second day of shooting uh so it was it was um it was he said no i have to do this i have to mm. do this but but because i asked him the question as a friend yeah that that that's i think and, I, and there were moments with Barry Gibb like that as well
1: that I couldn't well, I was going to ask you uh, why they're all so drawn to you, these iconic, complex musicians and artists. And um, I think, let's just, look, let's just think about ourselves, each one of ourselves, anybody out there listening right now. Think about yourself. You, there's a lot of noise, and you don't have a lot of time and you don't have a lot of time for your thoughts and, and rest and, and a lot of there's just stuff coming at us that, uh, from all angles and different things that happen. And now imagine that you are, that everyone is, is waiting on you, looking at you to create what you've created before or, or, or better. and, you don't know who to trust all the time. You don't know who's your friend and who who just wants uh, a leg up. And, and now think about that short amount of time and the people that you surround yourself with. Um, I, I think, you know, I was going to ask you, as I said, why are they so drawn to you? But I think after spending this time with you, David, that uh, it's obvious to me that you, uh, you are... Uh, a person that they, that the artists, these these iconic artists can uh, trust to be around and um, and feel you're, that you're genuine. But you also give them that mental space um, to create and to be who they are. Um, and that's pretty, that's a pretty good gift. So I won't ask you that. I'm just going to assume on that one and make my own decisions. And that's what I think about you. And I really.
2: I, I like your assumption. One, <laughs> one day I'll tell you my story of coming up to Santa Barbara and meet with Jonathan Winters. for a a program and and what happened.
1: Okay. If you want to tell that story, tell that story because I I knew Jonathan Winters as a sir. I used to be a server at the enterprise fish company and there's these big windows and he would come up and mime that he was cleaning our windows. And then he'd come in for lunch after like 20 minutes of just cracking up the whole, everybody would move to the window and watch him. Pretend to wash the window with <laughs> a squeegee. Tell your story. I'm not going to uh, – I'll take a job of I, wind I, story I, any day. The,
2: the, the answer to your question is I love their work. And I think they f- they feel that. And, and I don't want anything from them other than for me to have the opportunity to present them in the, in the, in the most positive – in their story in the most positive way so that people who don't know them will go – Wow! I should look into this person's work. I think that may, may be the simplest thing. Um, I was doing a bunch of shows in, in the nineties and the early two thousands for PBS. My partner and I, and they wanted to, we wanted to do one on Jonathan Winters. These were these were kind of retrospective shows where we would gather clips from their best work. And Jonathan, at that point, was retired. He, he didn't have an agent, but I found out that his son, who's a contractor in the Santa Barbara area, was. Um, um, was basically handling any requests, and so I couldn't. Contractors, I guess, don't like their number listed because they don't want people to know how to find them. <laughs> so, so I got Jonathan Winter's home number, and I figured I'll call his house, ask his wife for the son's number, and then I'll call the son. So I call the house, and and hello, weird <laughs> voice. I said. Uh, may I speak with Mrs. Winters? I say who's was calling. Uh, my name is uh, David Leaf. I'm a, a television producer in Los Angeles. And he goes, oh, hi, this is Jonathan. How can I help you? <laughs>
1: That's Jonathan.
2: We were on the show. We were on the phone for an hour. Um, the, 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 there's something about me that I guess works well with crazy people and we'll call we'll say artists slash crazy people. anyway yeah. the, the next the next day i'm coming up to santa barbara with my partner to meet with him and i say to him on the phone hey jokingly is there anything you know i can bring you from los angeles because i know you live in the boondocks in montecito <laughs> and, and and he says yeah we don't have good bagels up here could you bring me some bagels i know exactly i said i didn't know exactly where to get you the bagels we get out of the car at his house the next morning, and he and he comes out. He hears the car, and he goes, "Are those the bagels?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just we were we were in, we were in touch. But the, the, the part of the story that I think really answers your questions: we go into a room with he and his son, and he says, "What he, Jonathan Winter says? What kind of a show do you have in mind?" And I said to him. What kind of a show would you like to do? And he took a deep sigh and he sat back and he said, nobody's ever asked me that question before. Which I found to be terribly sad that this this iconic genius of comedy who had been in the business for 40 years, everybody was always saying, here's what we think you should do, John. And he said, well, here's what I want to do. He said, I'd like to go into the... Stores in the in the Montecito shopping center, and, do, and with different characters, which I like to follow me around as I do that, and it was like, yeah, we'd love to do that, and, and that became the the heart of the show. So there, there was there's something in me that that connects with creative people because I love them,
1: mm-hmm.
2: genuinely love them and their work, and want to show them in their best light,
1: and they can feel that. I think so. Yeah. Thank you for that story. That was great. Um okay, I've, I'm a, we got to say goodbye but unfortunately for now but not forever. And uh we have I have one question. I want to go back to the book just to finish it on this. Your novel was originally published in 1978 as The Beach Boys and the California Myth. Why have you republished the book uh, with a new title? Well, and the new title i'll let me i'm sorry to interrupt you god only knows the story of brian wilson the beach boys and the california myth
2: um the original book was was called the beach boys and the california myth and the first sentence of the book was this is the story of brian wilson so that created a little bit of confusion among readers so i wanted it to be clear that brian wilson was was primary i chose god only knows as i mentioned before because as a, as a song, it's magnificent, and as a answer to a lot of questions, it's 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 the right word. Why did I why did I update the book at this point in time? I did it. Um, I was talking to Brian's wife last year, and I said, you know, Brian's going to be eighty next
1: year. Wow!
2: I, I, there's nothing I can give him, but ha- w- what about an updated edition of the book for his 80th birthday? It was my 70th birthday this year. This year is the 60th anniversary of the Beach Boys signing with Capitol Records. Um, and you know, memory fades in time. And I thought I better tell this story while I can still remember it. And um, with COVID, there wasn't a lot of going out into the world, so it was a good time to sit home and write. And um kind of everything came together and 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 led to this new edition. The thing about when I write about Brian that it is inexplicable, um, I can't wait to get up in the morning and start. I don't want to go to bed at night and stop. I just love telling his story. I love this man. I love the, the gift of music he's given to all of us. And he has had such a complicated life um, that most of it's hidden behind his eyes the best telling of it is in his music, and and my book is the next best telling. Of it. It's it's his, mm. it's a it's an insight into him that I don't think you can get anywhere else.
1: Okay, beautiful. Um, you, so you still have that calling all these years later. Absolutely, <laughs> ab- absolutely. All right, and, and,
2: and right. Just finishing editing the book, I got a call from the guy who was designing his his tour book for. For twenty twenty two. He says, Hey David, could you write an do you have time to write an essay for the tour book? And it's like okay. Yes, I do. Yes. There's your reason to get up tomorrow. (laughs) Since I finished the book, I wrote an essay about the spiritual nature of Brian Wilson's music. It just inspires me like nothing else.
1: Great. David David Leaf, that this is such a great conversation. Thank you for joining us. Uh don't forget to mark your calendar for December 8th. The next time you can see uh, David Leaf with Ivor Davis up close and personal at the museum of Ventura County, six 30 to eight free for members. It's online uh, for all the listeners around the world of the Jeremiah show. Please check this out. Um, You can go to, uh, I'll I'll give you out their website again on my socials and on the podcast and um, non members $10 Ten dollars. Uh, non-member Zoom is five dollars. I mean, you're gonna have a great evening, a great time, and get to know David a little bit more. He's got a lot of stories. Last song we're going out with is "Love and Mercy" Brian Wilson, and I'm gonna play this entire song for for uh, Brian um, without any cuts. I love the music. You want to take us out? Oh, bef- take us out and describe the song and why you chose it. Before you do, though, uh, I'd like to dedicate this episode to our friend Christine McVie of Fleetwood Mac that sadly passed today. But, David, if you'd allow me to, um, you had a friend that you used to swing in the swing set with uh, and dream about coming to California. Would you mind if we dedicated, put her name out here and dedicated the show to her?
2: Her, her Her name was Robin Kaplan.
1: Robin, what was the last name?
2: Robin Kaplan.
1: Is that okay with the, you?
2: The, the girl next door, yes.
1: Okay, thank you. Tell us about the song and we'll say goodbye.
2: Love and Mercy was the first single from Brian Wilson's first solo album. And he, when he talked to me about the song, it was clear, at least to me, that he was not just writing it for all of us who heard the song. Because the last line is, love and mercy to you and your friends tonight. It really feels like he was singing it to himself because when he wrote it, he was in the middle of this prison sentence with this weird psychologist. So love and mercy is what he needed at every moment of that time and really in in his whole life. So love and mercy to Brian Wilson.
1: Mm. Thank you, David. Thank you. Communicate but listen more and evolve. I'll see you next week.
2: Hi, I'm David Leeds, the author of God Only Knows, the story of Brian Wilson, the Beach Boys and the California Myth, here today on The Jeremiah Show. And I'm here because on December 8th, I'm going to be at the Museum of Ventura County talking to Ivor Davis about the book. I'll be signing books afterwards. So be there. Don't forget, you're listening to me on The Jeremiah Show. I was sitting in a crummy
3: movie with my hands on
4: comedian maud strobrani and you are listening to the jeremiah show listen man hi everybody i'm billy vera and i'm here to tell you about my memoir my memoir is called harlem to hollywood and it's available in amazon and just about anywhere great books or even lousy books are sold <laughs> but mine's a good one and i think you'll enjoy it you're listening to the jeremiah show
0: did you like our soundtrack find all of our soundtracks on spotify the jeremiah show look for the black label as always a big thanks to our station manager les carroll for letting us on the air at all listeners we appreciate you and want to hear from you please send us your ideas at jeremiah at the JeremiahShow.com or on messenger on facebook or instagram The Jeremiah Show is produced by executive producer Jeremiah Higgins and me, your announcer, Tony Kelly. Communicate, listen more, and evolve.
4: This is Miles Copeland.
0: Yeah, I just had the honor of speaking to the Jeremiah Show. Who would have believed that little old me would have the opportunity to speak on such a prestigious show? And they even talked about my book, Two Steps Forward, One Step Back, My Life in the Music Business. So it was a great pleasure to uh, be on that show, the
4: Jeremiah Show. I love you. I love you. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football.